Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Good morning again. So in recent weeks, as we've uh, walked through this epiphany season together, We've been reminded through the psalmist words that God, the creator, our Lord, he knows us, he made us, he's present with us in the person of his spirit, we know that. He shares his thoughts with us. And all of this compels, calls us to side with him 100%, all in, at any cost. And in that, we welcome him searching and trying us, taking our temperature, if you will, to see where we're off and help redirect our course to his. That's what we learned from the psalmist. Then, last week, we heard the Lord through the prophet Micah. We heard him confront his people, calling nature itself to bear witness to his faithfulness and their unfaithfulness. He confronted them because they were not only worshiping pagan deities alongside worshiping him, they had actually begun to address and treat him like they treated the pagan deities. They had incorporated pagan ways of thinking about sacrifice into the worship of Yahweh. And as hurtful and offensive as this is to the Lord and was to the Lord, his confronting them wasn't to shame or to rage at them but to call them back to who he'd created and was calling them to be, his people who do justice, love, and embrace covenant loyalty, supremely demonstrated by his covenant faithfulness to them, but to embrace it so that they walk in it too, And in that, to walk humbly, thoughtfully, circumspectly, attentively with him. That's what we've looked at in the last couple weeks. Today, we're going to look to the gospel and hear Jesus come at the same thing. Pointing again to us as a people and to our corporate identity, telling us explicitly who and what we are, as he again calls us to live in a way that's consistent with that for which we were created, the life to which the Spirit of God is calling us. 
So we've heard a psalmist from the Old Testament. We've heard a prophet from the Old Testament. Now we're going to look to Jesus himself coming at this same thing. So let's ask him to help us hear and respond as he desires, okay? Father, humbly and boldly we come now praying for your help. Do hope that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts will be honoring and pleasing to you. King Jesus, our rock and our redeemer, and I pray that you will work a miracle. You are a miracle-working God. So pray that you will help us get beyond self-protection, pride, jadedness, fear. Just like a laser, Lord, pierce that without breaking or snuffing us out. And awaken us to who you've created and are calling us to be. We pray humbly in your name, Jesus. Amen. So just back to these few verses that Kristen read. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to people. And often in this place, he's been saying, you have heard it said, but I tell you, redirecting ideas that they had about what it meant to follow God. Saying some pretty challenging things. Often preachers refer to it as he's taking the way they thought about life. And as he looks at the kingdom of God, it looks like he's turning what we think of as normal or natural on its head. So in other words, we're off about 180 degrees, maybe. Might be a way to think about that. And instead of feeling shame, what if we saw that kindness of redirection as something to lead us to owning it, confessing it, and repenting? Shuv, turn, go the other way, metanoia, change our minds. Whatever it costs you, I promise it's not too much. I promise you that. We'll start in verse 13 again. Listen to what Jesus says in this part. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. A very important thing to note in this to give us right context for how to receive this proclamation that Jesus has just made is that the you is not singular. It's plural. Y'all are the salt of the earth. But instead of going down that road, I think I'll encourage us to do this. Why don't we begin to embrace it in our minds today with an exercise in how we hear this and just receive this? We are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. And if that salt loses its savor, what is the earth to do? 
It says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. In other words, the distinctiveness of it is gone. It looks just like everything else. Have you ever tasted something and thought, this needs salt? Yes? Everybody relates to that. When God tastes humanity, metaphorically, He says, this needs salt. So I am going to make my people the savory tastefulness of all cultures throughout all time in history. If we don't accept that and walk in that, not only do we leave creation and humanity disposed to a tasteless life full of so much fear and having to conjure, feeling okay, trick our souls constantly into making ourselves be all right. We leave them to that. But more. Our lack of being who we are makes us one with that. We are walking away from who he's called and created us to be, to be just like something that's out there. Now, Jesus doesn't want that, but he's juxtaposing how off, how really 180 degrees off us being just like the world is. That's what he's saying. It's why his brother would write later, you cannot be a friend of God and a friend of the world. It's why Jesus would say you can't serve two masters. He didn't say it's going to be hard if you try. He said it's impossible. Really, with humility and I hope boldness together, we don't believe that. We just don't. We're still trying. And he's not coming to shame or rage at us. He's coming to go, don't do that. It doesn't work. It will never work. We're the salt of the earth. In our homes, with those closest to us, friends, peers, families, mentors, mentees, we're the salt of the earth. In this community, we're called here to bring savor and a purifying presence with who we together are. So when you have the thought, when I say a purifying presence of, uh-oh, I get that. Here's some good news. God's not saying, Hey, grain of salt named Al, go and be the saver substance in Red Bank. That's a bad plan. It's not enough. And in my working out salvation, 
in earnest, with fear and trembling and joy, I get to walk with you. We get to walk with one another and be that in this community. Now, that's a good plan. And you know how I know it is? Because I know from the word of God and from the mouth of Christ that it's God's plan. It's not a negotiable point. You've heard me say many times, there's not a plan B. And hear this, his devotion, his absolute commitment to helping us become who he's created us to be is astonishingly absolute. His covenant faithfulness is intact and it's demonstrated by his willingness to put on our skin in the person of his son and be sacrificed unto the end that we would become who he's created us to be. You have that. We have that. We will become who he's created us to be. Amen? We will. Verse 14 and 15 says, or say, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Again, not singular. Plural. So, we are the light of the world. We, us all together. If you're from North Georgia, usins are the light of the world. And if you're offended by that, read your history. Or go spend some time out in the woods a little bit. You'll find out. We are the light of the world. We are. The darkness overcoming, dispelling thing in creation. The darkness is real. It is a lack of light. It is contrary to God. And when God looked and he saw creation and humanity, he said, they need light. And he wasn't talking about the sun and the stars and the moon. He was talking about a people who would be filled with his spirit and it would be illuminating to us, but through us to those around us. I've, I've said this analogy before, but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. My mentor taught me that this is like people wandering in a dark wood Scared, not sure what's going to happen, and they see a glow, and they come toward it. And as they do, it's a fire. And as they come round it, they're encouraged. Their hearts are lifted. Hope is kindled. Warmth is present. And then through the light of the fire, what do they see? But others came from other places. And then they began to realize that we're here. And they begin to build that fire. That's what God did with Christ when he sent him. And as he sent his spirit now, he has called us and we are the fire. 
And the world comes and ventures close. I know I've seen many of you when you first ventured close here. But as you've come, all of a sudden, you're becoming part of the fire. And it's like the fire at the burning bush. It does not consume and destroy, but it spreads good news of hope and help and goodness. That's who we are. And we do it. I love St. Uh, Francis for this. We go, and as we go, we preach the gospel, and as necessary, we use words. But we preach it with how we live. How we think about ourselves and how we think about others. It really matters. We are the light of the world in our homes with those closest to us. And in this community, if you think about even the two pictures of it that Jesus gives, one is like a city set on a hill. That's us in this community. One is like a lamp in a room. You don't put it under something and hide it over here and say, why can't we see? It doesn't make sense. You set it up and you go, now we can see. Jesus is calling us to be this illuminating reality and presence to dispel every kind of darkness with who we are together. Salt and light come to bring taste and illumination through who we are together. That's our identity. Please, everybody, look for just a second. That's our identity. As much as a name or characteristics, all our distinctiveness in this place comes together to be light and salt. It's our identity. The children of God are this. And the God who knows us made us is present with us, shares his thoughts with us, is calling us together to do justice, embrace covenant loyalty and faithfulness, walk humbly, thoughtfully, attentively to him because he calls us to do that because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Our lives have darkness conquering, bitterness overcoming, power, meaning, and calling. So like salt impacting taste, and light dispelling darkness, we together are to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus was after when he prayed to the Father to bring us together and make us one, perfectly one, so that the world would believe that God sent him and that we would understand that God loves us just as He loves His Son. 
Do you think God the Father loves Jesus who is God the Son? Do you think so? The Bible says, Father, Jesus said, Father, unify them so they will come to understand that you truly love them like you love me. That's how much God loves you. That's why I try to say all the time, it's not just a, a soft, cuddly idea. Think more of a blanket warming you after you've been pulled out of a storm in the sea. Think more of no option or ability to overcome that which is against you and him stepping in front of it, taking the blows and moving forward, saying, follow me, we're out of here. He's powerful. He's kind. He's good. He wants us to know that He loves us. Not just so that will fall flat or encourage us for a moment, but so that it will lead us to a new place, to borrow from a brother who's already gone to be with the Lord. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free and our standing in the world is identical with Christ. It's true. And God is calling us today to help one another believe and embrace this and to let our light shine before others so that they may see us walking in this those are the good works us loving and serving one another faithfully would be an astonishing picture to the culture and then they can Dare to move toward that fire. Wonder, feel the warmth, and begin to experience the illuminating, darkness dispelling goodness of God. And that would cause their hearts and minds, the way they live, to be glorifying to their Creator. It's happening. It's going to happen. It's happening and it is going to happen. There is no power that can withstand this move of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pray that He will get through increasingly for the rest of our lives to believe this, receive it, and walk in it. Amen? You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.